scripture reading for today is, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now this is the son of man. seated. I want to dismiss our school-age kiddos to the back. They are going um, with, I uh, see uh, Mr. Connor back there, and um, have fun, Connor. <laughs> um, there are other adults out there as well. I don't want to scare any parents. Um, <laughs> not that Connor couldn't handle it. I believe in you, buddy. I believe in you. Um, Real quick, before we kind of jump into our text today, I want to just remind you of a quick thing. Next week, next Sunday, uh, our, we have two things going on, kind of the same thing. Promotion Sunday and our classes start back at 9.30. And um, I will tell you, we have worked really hard from zero years old all the way up to adults to really think through uh, that equipping hour. We said before, we have two goals on Sunday. We want to inspire you with the gospel and through song during our gathering. We want to equip you at 9.30 during our class in the ways of how to follow Jesus. So next Sunday at 9.30, here's my challenge to us to church. Church starts at 9.30. If I did hashtags, I'd say hashtag church starts at 9.30. But I don't do, I'm not cool enough for that. I'm not, I promise you. Um, but listen, uh, we are working because here's the truth. We live in a world that is just, we have so much information that is discipling us every single day, correct? We have to fight back on some level. And so part of our, our, our strategy as a church is at 9.30, we wanna equip each other with the good news of the Bible. So in our pastor's class next week, we're starting with this, with this series, a series on doctrine, on who God is. Because who God is determines everything for our lives. Our kids, starting next week, are going to be learning the attributes of God, the story of God. They're going to be catechized in the Lord's Prayer, in the Apostles' Creed, in the traditions of our faith. They're going to be taught how to serve the church. Our teenagers are going to learn next week, starting on how to read their Bible in community. Our hope is that we as a church can learn to make this part of the rhythm of our life. But at 9.30, we come and we be equipped and we be trained. Commercial over. Um, but I am excited about that. Um, I am really, really excited to preach today. Um, we are in a great text, John 13, if you go ahead and turn there. We are um, turning this corner of the book of John where um, it's all good. But man, the, the next few chapters are some of my favorite in all the Bible. And this passage today is pretty familiar if you've been in church. It's this story, this account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It's a powerful, powerful story. And it's, I think it's even more powerful because today it's 
I feel like it's apparent every week, but some weeks more than others. We live in a fractured world, right? Right? It's not like just all, you know, rainbows and unicorns, is it? It's a fractured world. And if we're honest, the fractured world sometimes leads to, I will say many times leads to a fractured church. But look at Jesus' command here in verse 34. My sister Ellie just read this. She said this, a new commandment I give to you. I just want to say real quick, he doesn't say a new suggestion. He says a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Not ones that are like you, ones that think like you, look like you, believe like you, one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our greatest apologetic is not our great preaching, it is our great love. And church, I believe this, we have a love problem. And here's, here's the big thought today, I'm gonna give it away and you can go home right now, I'm just kidding. Here's the big thought, Jesus made a way for union with him and unity with each other. Union with him and unity with each other. Union and unity. It's on these two foundations that we're going to go today. But listen, hear this. We cannot, we cannot have unity with each other if we don't have union with him. If there's no union with Christ, with God, we will not have unity with each other. But hear this, if there is not unity with each other, there is not union with him either. Both of these things work together. And sometimes our lack of love proves our lack of union with Christ. Because we put something over our love for Christ. Because if we truly love Christ, we will love each other. To do this, I'm going to give you our, our application right off the bat. I hope today that we leave doing four things. Here they are. First, we learn to remind our hearts. We learn to remind our hearts. See, we forget the gospel every single day and our affections for Christ, they just wane. They just go away. We forget what Christ has done. When we forget that, everything else falls away. So we have to learn how to remember what he has done. Second, I hope we learn to renew our minds. Listen, we are more discipled by the hundreds of hours of social media, Netflix, and cable news than we are the ways of Jesus. Our minds are being renewed by false gods. Hear that, church. Our minds are being renewed by false gods. Please hear that again. Your minds, our minds, every single day, we're being sold and taught, and our minds are being renewed by false gods. And I'll just say this for my own heart and for your heart, and I know this because the amount of time I, we spend in God's word versus social media, TV, and all that stuff. If we're honest today, the war of the mind is being won by the things of the world. And it's causing a fractured church. Third hope today is that we recommit our hands. Our acts of love, what we do, should look more like Christ and less like the world. The way we love each other should look more like Christ and less like the world. See, the world loves on conditions, right? 
If you're like this, if you do this, if you believe this, all these things, all these conditions. But Christ's love is unconditional. I am worked up this morning. And so um, that's good though. Fourth, that we would refocus our hopes. Too many times my focus, our focus is on temporary things and not eternal things. Hear this. I, I think this is plaguing us as a people. Hear this, friends. Our life is a breath. It's a breath. It doesn't mean that we don't lament and mourn because people are sick, people are dying. We should not just pass by those things. But this spirit of fear, the spirit of division many times is caught up because we're living for the temporary and not the eternal. We're in that mindset of a fractured church. So so that's it. The main point, the four steps, we can go home. But hear this, we need more than knowledge today. We need an encounter with Jesus. We need to look at his word and worship Jesus and remember all that he has done. Let's go to John 13. So as we start this, you're seeing a real break in the book of John. So really up till now, Jesus' focus and John's focus in his gospel has been Jesus and the Jewish leaders. And they're kind of back and forth, him doing a miracle, them fussing about it, him correcting them, this back and forth for 12 chapters. But now, as we get closer to the cross, the focus of the book of John and the message of Jesus is for the new community of faith. In a sense, if you were going, if you knew that you were passing away tomorrow, the last two day, the last day of your life, which you would want to teach your kids, is what we see right here in the book of John for Jesus and his disciples and for us, the church. Let's go to verse one. It says here, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, All through the book of John up until now, this phrase, his hour had not yet come, was in this book. But now the moment has arrived. Just think about this evening. This is the evening, the moment that literally changed the course of the world. And Jesus knew his hour had come. To depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world beautiful phrase here. He loved them to the end. But then during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So this huge historical night, the devil, the enemy is at work, already at work in the heart of Judas. But then it keeps going. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So we see Satan working and we see Jesus just not faced. What's interesting is to see the way Jesus reacts in this moment. You know, (laughs) you really can kind of find out about somebody's character of how they react when things get really hard. Full confession, uh, I, am, I am not Jesus. I, I think about, um, Tracy knows this, 
like, uh, I love air condition. It just came on just now, and I just thank God in my heart for that. Um, I really did. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Um, I love air conditioning. But you know, like, it's this time of year where your AC doesn't catch up, right? And I come home, and I'm, I'm freaked out all the time that our AC is broken. Well, there's $10,000. I'm going to sweat for a week. Life is over. Kids go away. So when things in my life go bad, just the AC being off by five degrees, I lose it. I'm not Jesus, but Jesus, knowing what is coming. Hear this, church. He not, not just the physical pain, but the emotional torture of him and the Father being broken for this moment on the cross. He knows it's coming. He knows the enemy is ready to pounce. He knows this man, Judas, who he loves, has been with for years, is about to betray him. But Jesus is not phased. See, when Satan's plan, Satan's like, I've got it. I've got it. Seen most effective, God was not worried. When Satan seemed so sure of himself, God was not worried. And here's why. Look at verse 3 again. Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God. He knew his hope, that union with the Father. He wasn't worried. And so we see the setting, this evening, the enemy ready to pounce, our Savior not phased, our Savior ready to teach his followers an important lesson. And then we see three things about Jesus today that I hope we glean that I hope today that we look at the text, we look at Jesus, then we get lost in his beauty. We get lost in his love. We get lost in his glory and what he shows us. Let's go to verse four. The first thing we see from Jesus is just deep, deep humility. It says here in verse four, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. I want to remind you, this idea of washing of the feet in this day and age was like the most humiliating thing you could do. Even Jewish servants wouldn't do it. For feet washing, they got Gentile servants to do this because it was so looked down upon. Verse 5, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Peter is the one who always speaks up, right? He's that guy who just speaks up. And he said, something's not right here. Because Jesus was humbling himself in such a deep way that it made no sense to him. Listen, we can't fathom, honestly, the disgust of their feet. You know, I'm so spoiled and I'm such just not a man that, you know, I go to the beach, you know, this is a true story. Okay, y'all can laugh at me. I don't care. I, I, you know, I'm good. And um, I go to the beach and my feet get dirty and they get sand on your feet. I can't wait to wash just the clean, pretty sand off my feet. Nothing like what Jesus experienced humbling himself to wash their disgusting feet. But this is what Paul says, right? Philippians 2. He tells the church to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, 
who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself. The one who was in the beginning was the word who spoke creation into being, humbled himself by becoming human, but then also by getting on his hands and his feet and washing the feet of sinners. But it goes beyond him humbling himself with this act. We must also look at who he actually served to, to, to further see this picture of Christ. Look at verse 22. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirits and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And the disciples looked around at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him, I love this picture right here, to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Can you imagine this? Peter's like, hey, hey, ask him. Ask him what he's talking about. I just love that. So human. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. What you see here is radical service. So yes, we see deep humility, but friends, hear this. This is radical service. Matthew 20, we know this. Even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. It's clear he came to serve. We we get that. But what's amazing here is the depth of his service. He doesn't just serve those who love him. He doesn't just serve those who love him. He doesn't just serve Peter, who you know would let him down. He serves and washes the feet of Judas, who he knows will stab him in the back. The one where he knew Satan was already at work. He washed his feet. Friends, hear this. That is radical service. Jesus lives out what he taught in Matthew 5 where he says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He lives this out in this obscene way. Hear this church, many times I struggle to serve my own family. Right? We get home from work. We get home from this. The hardest thing is when you're away from your kids for two or three days. And then you come home to that and to to, to serve them. And we love them. Now imagine this, imagine the person in your life who has betrayed you. You know your list. Imagine the person who has betrayed you. 
has lied to you, has stolen from you, has cheated you, who is against you. Imagine that person and imagine the creator and savior of the universe on their hands and feet, washing the feet of that person. Friends, it's radical service. But listen to this. It's not just like this one-time act for Jesus. Do you know that thing like where you can almost do anything for like one day or for a few minutes or for a few hours. But for Jesus, this is not a one-time thing. Go back to verse 1 again. In that beautiful phrase he says here. He knew his hour had come to depart out of this world, go back to the Father. Having loved his own, he loved his disciples who were in the world. Here's this beautiful phrase. He loved them until the end. He loved them all the way to the cross. Our Savior Jesus walks in deep humility, radical service, and sacrificial love. Listen, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, he loves until the end. He loved them to the point of death. This is John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved until the end. So we see this picture of deep humility, radical service, and sacrificial love. And it's through this that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples two very specific things. Union with him and unity with each other. So union with Christ. Go to verse 8. Go to verse 8. And we see this idea of what Jesus is talking about as far as union. So Peter says to him, you shall never wash my feet. Because Peter is struck by the deep humility of Jesus. Then the response of Jesus says this. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. This response, the meaning is this. There's this deeper level going on. And Jesus' self-humiliation and washing his disciples' feet, it symbolizes his self-humiliation and accepting death on the cross to bring about the cleansing of their sin. In this respect, Peter and the rest of the disciples must accept what Jesus did for them. For if they did not, they could have no part with him. To have a part with Jesus means to literally share things with Jesus. To have fellowship with Jesus. This washing of the feet was a deeper symbol for washing away the sin of God's people. And if we do not accept that, we can't have union and fellowship with him. He was saying to Peter, unless he was prepared to accept what he would do for him on the cross, there could be no relationship between them. See, Jesus could serve because he had this great union, this great confidence and trust with the Father. But our relationship with God is broken. Which is why Jesus came to cleanse his people through his sacrifice on the cross. But it took humility from Peter to receive this gift. 
this sacrificial gift. Hear this. The humility it takes to receive this gift is the same humility we must walk in to serve others. Without this union, without receiving the work of Christ, believing and trusting and receiving this washing from Christ, there can be no unity. There can be no unity. And this is the heart of Jesus. This is what he's trying to get his followers to understand. If you have a share with me, if you have union with me, then I now give you this new commandment. Let's go there. Verse 33. He says here, little children, a little while I am with you. You will seek me just as I had said to the Jews. So now also I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Henry Newman says this, community is where the people you least want to be with are always there. The people you least want to be with are always there. Listen, in a fractured world, I I just pray that we get this. Let's just pray for a second. Dear Lord, help us to receive your commandment today. And let us walking in obedience of your commandments be a witness to a watching world. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Hear this. Um... You know, I, I don't know if y'all do Enneagram stuff. Um, I am a hardcore nine, which means I'm a peacemaker. Yeah, there we go. My nine's out there. Um, every personality test I take, strengths finders, this, that, it comes back the same. I'm a harmonious peacemaker. And so when there is conflict in the world, I tell you, I feel it with every fiber of my being. It's been a rough few years, guys. It's been a rough few years. But here, here is what I know. I have no answers for all the world's issues, none at all. But here is what I know. If we, the church, if we, the church, will hold up the work of Christ on the cross as supreme, we will be unified. When we hold up lesser things, we will be fractured. There is one thing that unifies the body of Christ. That's the work of Jesus. That's the one thing, friends. And the world is dying to fracture everything. But the church must stand. We must stand for the one thing, which is the work of Christ. And church, if we can do that, if we can stand on Christ alone, if we can do that, the world, I promise you, will take notice, will then become citizens of a new world. Too much of us is caught up being citizens of this world that is a breath. We have one thing, church, that is the work of Christ. When we as a people keep that central, that supreme, unity comes. But unity, hear this, it requires deep humility, just like our Savior It requires radical service just like our Savior. And it takes sacrificial love just like our Savior. Hear this. Unity is not easy. 
Unity and love are hard. But listen, the way of Jesus is not easy. We weren't promised comfort and ease, were we? Keller says it like this. The basic premise of religion, that if you live a good life, things will go well for you, is wrong. It's very black and white. It's wrong. Jesus was the most morally upright person who has ever lived. Yet he had a life with the experience of poverty, rejection, injustice, and even torture. We have to wrestle with this thing. Jesus says this is a command. You know, the Bible, a lot of things you can talk about, and there's kind of two sides to it. You can, who interprets it this way? Who says this? This is very clear, church. We are to love one another. And there are no categories there. We are to love one another. That includes humility. You know what that means? It means when a brother or sister in Christ do things, say things that frustrate you, in humility, we keep our mouth shut. It means when there's those people that we just, we totally disagree with, it means that we radically serve them. Not because they're good or we're good, because God is good. It means that even when everything is in disarray, we will love until the end. Because every single follower of Jesus in this room has been bought with that price. With that kind of love. We receive that love to give that love to each other. And the world can see this beautiful picture of God's kingdom here on earth. Jesus made a way for union with him and unity with each other. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's go back to our four steps of application. First, remind your heart. Church, hear this. Before you start your day, remind your heart. And here's, remind your heart of what Jesus has done for you. And this will create a heart of gratitude. I read this great quote this week from Ronald Rollheiser. Gratitude is the basis of holiness. The holiest person you know is the most grateful person you know. That is true too for love. The most loving person you know is the most grateful person you know. Because even love finds its basis in gratitude. Anything we call love, but that is not rooted in gratitude, will at the end of the day be manipulative and self-serving. If our love and service of others does not begin in gratitude, we'll end up carrying people's crosses and sending them the bill. Remember, remind your heart. This is living with the gospel on the top of your mind. There's this um, great phrase in advertising called top of mind awareness. Where the reason that Coke has so many ads is because when you think of Coke, they want you to Coca-Cola right away. McDonald's, Nike, Amazon. They do all this. The first thing you think of when you think of shopping, you think Amazon. We have to live with top of mind gospel awareness. So when we see a fracture in the world, we don't think, I've got to jump in there now. No, we think, what has Jesus done for me? And how can I respond with humility, service, and love? We have to start with the gospel at the top of our mind. And we do this each day. Put yourself in that upper room. 
I, I mean this. Go to the text and put yourself there being served by Jesus, knowing all of your sin, knowing all of your grossness. Jesus serving you, serving us. Remember the gift of forgiveness that you have been given. Remember and remind your heart. Tell your heart to be quiet and remind your heart who you are now in Christ. So remind your heart. Second, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Or I said earlier, our mind, there's a battle in our minds happening in the world right now. Through advertising, social media, other people, other things, there is a battle for the mind. Now, more than ever, the church needs to have their mind renewed with the word of God. With the words of Jesus. They must be on the top of our mind. To remind us, here's why. Because the world sells us a way, doesn't it? A way, a path to abundant life. The world sells this all the time. And we fall for this sales pitch every single time. And we start down this path of the world. And it's always self-focused. But in God's word, we see the way of Jesus. The narrow way. The sacrificial way. The servant-hearted way. And we renew our minds to the way of Jesus. Listen, an hour a week on a Sunday will not cut that. And, and this is why, how do I say this nicely? Um, listen, uh, my wife says this all the time to me, we're all busy. We're all busy. And I, and I know that. I'm busy, you're busy, we're all busy. But here's my fear, that we get caught up being so busy in the way of the world, our minds are never renewed. And we as the church have to call each other to more. We are not citizens of this earth. We're not. We're called to a new way, the way of Jesus that starts with his sacrificial life and death being imputed to us. Now we walk that same path of service and hear this church of suffering. I was talking to somebody this week about scripture. You know, the, the scripture is really hard for us to understand because scripture is written in the context of suffering and poverty Almost all throughout. Almost all throughout. And, and friends, most of us here are not in poverty and lots of suffering. And so it's hard for us to fully understand the word. Because normalcy for the Christian church for history has been suffering. So friends, we are sold that the hard path is not the good path. But hear this, hard things can be good things. Many times easy things are foolish things, are temporal things. So we have to fight to renew our minds, to give ourselves over to things that renew our minds. It means that your devotion to Christ should be greater than your devotion to things of this world. You know, I know people and I know charismatics, I know Catholics, I know Presbyterians, I know Baptists, I know this, I know that. And here is the common denominator for people that I see are spiritually mature. There's two things. First is humility. They fully understand that they have received all good things from God. And second is devotion. I, I know some crazy charismatics that love Jesus and I will follow anywhere because they are devoted to Jesus. 
Friends, our issue many times is the world is discipling and renewing our mind and not our devotion to Jesus renewing our minds. Three, recommit your hands. Recommit your hands. Recommit what you do every single day. Every day, choose who and how you will serve. Every day, there is a way we can serve somebody in the name of Jesus. Choose who and how you will serve each day. Make our days count. Remind our hearts. Renew our minds and recommit our hands to things that really matter. This is where Jesus says, when you hear and obey my word, is that solid foundation of life. But many times we want the easy path, right? No, how can we recommit to serve someone each day? And fourth and last, we must refocus our hope. Refocus our hope. We, have, we must go from eternal, go from temporal to eternal. Because every single day, do you do this? I wake up with the whole world's problems on, my, with my problems on my shoulder and think, oh, I just, I can't do this today. I've got this thing to do and that thing to do. But if we can refocus our hope, that's what Christ did, right? In verse three, where he was going back to the father. Refocus this, friends, that many times we're walking through light momentary afflictions and one day when we're with the father in all of his glory all these things right now will seem very very small but that perspective hear this that wisdom is found as we refocus our hope to the eternal and away from temporal I'm going to end with this This passage ends, this chapter ends in this interesting way. It's on the screen, so you might go in your Bibles in verse 36. Because if you're like me, and I have preached these sermons before, you preach these sermons, you hear these sermons, and you're ready to go. But then you're like Peter right here. Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. We have this tendency, as I do too, we speak really big words when we get emotional, don't we? Make bold promises. Jesus said back, will you lay down your life for me? And there's that truly, truly, it's not good. It's that listen up, son. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. On one hand, this story is kind of sad. Jesus just washed his feet. He has seen all these miracles. Peter's always, and we kind of, we love Peter. He reminds us of ourselves. But we know that Peter's going to deny him. But church, here's the good news. When we are not steadfast, our Savior is steadfast. And he loves until the end. And we see this in the life of Peter. Even as he messed up and failed and denied Jesus, Jesus loved him till the end. So you might be here today just like me and say, I have blown it and blown it and blown it and blown it. 
in this union with Christ and unity with each other, I just keep blowing it. Well, the good news of the gospel is that he loves until the end. He loves until the end. So my challenge today, start where you're at. Find some way to remind your heart, renew your mind, recommit your hands and refocus your hope. Let that be the calling card in our devotion to Christ so that we can remember our union and we can have true unity. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for, um, thank you for the good news of your gospel and your love for us. Lord, forgive us for our pride and our foolishness. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Lord, help us in our lack of love for one another. Let us keep our eyes so focused on you that the problems of the world seem small and the frustrations of brothers and sisters are almost nothing in light of your love for us. Let us come to you this morning. We love you, Jesus. We promise your name. Amen. What a beautiful time to conclude with communion today. This great picture of our union with Christ and our unity with one another. As we come and partake. Now, now hear this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is not for you. But if you're a member of God's, not just covenant church, but God's church, this time is for you for the body of Christ to come together and remember what Christ has done and in unity partake of the body and the blood. Come when you're ready.